welcome to the Faith Church Peshtigo podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpeshtigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Robbie and Pastor Jeff talking about the sermon from November 1st, 2020. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to the Faith Church podcast. I am Robbie, and with me today is the incomparable... Pastor Jeff Clossy. How are you doing today, Jeff? Wow, that was awesome. I'm well. Hello, everybody. Robbie, thanks for the incomparable. That was I can't really think of anyone of who compares to you, Jeff, so <laughs> it's appropriate. Well, I feel the same about you, though. That's kind. So you know, I didn't, honestly, I did not set you up just to, just to bait you into complimenting me back. <laughs> Little debtor's ethic on display, <laughs> everybody. So I don't know if you've been outside today, Robbie, have you? It is, I only want to be outside today. Yes, it's amazing. I hope everyone listening, by the time you hear this, has had some time to spend outside this week. What a gift a few days of warmth and sun is this time of year. It really has been a gift because it got, it got pretty cold for a while, and I assumed that meant I'm still kind of getting used to what normal is supposed to be for when winter starts in Wisconsin, and I assumed that... The tables had turned and it was officially winter. And then all of a sudden this week snuck up on me and gave me a delightful warm bear hug. Yes, that's what it is. It's amazing. This is a good opportunity to quickly plug that um, fish viewing thing. What is that called? The On the river. <laughs> I don't know. It's got to have a catchier name than yeah, it's the not, fish viewing thing. So for those of you, you listening. Mean the bridge over in Peshtigo? Well, yeah, it's not really a bridge because yeah, it doesn't go all the way across. It's more of a peninsula, I did a walking that peninsula. It's, that it's fish viewing something though, but it is the fish viewing platform maybe. That's what it is. But if you haven't seen it yet in Peshtigo near where you cross the river, I would highly recommend seeing that. It's really neat. Robbie and I walked over there, I think last week. And it was neat. Yesterday I saw a big walleye down there. Oh, that's cool. It's really cool. It's pretty sweet. You get you walk out far enough that you're standing like right in the middle of the river without having to get wet. It's the best. Yeah, it's really nice. I'm I've seen it in the day and the night and it's really cool on both both day and night. So, Robbie, on Sunday, uh you continued preaching through Colossians 3. We've been in Colossians 3 for 3 Sundays now. Jay started us uh, a few weeks ago with setting your mind on things that are above and the whole trajectory of our life being Jesus and his kingdom. And then the week after that, I talked about putting off the old self or taking off the old clothes, the old way of life. And then last week you were talking about putting on the new clothes, the new resurrection life that we have in Jesus. Well, and I really appreciate your setup because you, I felt did such a fantastic job the week before me that you you gave me the alley-oop and all I had to do was not miss the shot like just don't ruin it because you had <laughs> I had such a good setup and so I I appreciated that and and Jay I thought really really started off the thing by setting setting the right tone um so it's I've I have really loved the last um the last three weeks of service me too I I listened to this last Sunday again this morning and uh, I was encouraged again by it, and uh, I'm excited to talk through it. The first thing I'd love to give you an opportunity for is, and maybe you don't have anything, but I'm curious, if you had had more time on Sunday, are there any topics or areas that you would have wanted to emphasize more 
um, given given more time? Does anything come to mind? I mean, not specifically. I, generally, I would have loved to have spent more time on each of those points, mm-hmm. um, just because there's so much. I felt I felt so restricted in just kind of. I mean, I kind of made the joke about scratching the surface of a scratch on the surface, and and I felt like that's how each of those points were like each one of those could have easily been their own uh their own sermon and so um with the exception maybe of of some of the um i never want to spend more time on corrective illustrations but i always want to spend more time on the like why christ is beautiful why our identity in him matters why how we flesh that out like i I always wish I had more time to unpack those things. Well, let's talk about that identity piece. I mean, that was one of the things that really struck me about how you framed walking in obedience, walking in this new life, was that you said our identity as beloved ones of God is crucial to do this correctly. So I'd love if you could take some time and maybe expand on that for all of us. Hmm. Um, man, how much time do you have? I'm here all day. I will. <laughs> However, <laughs> our listeners probably will not be. Um, man, I, I don't. I don't know that I. I could overemphasize how essential understanding our identity is, um, and and either in having uh, an a wrong one or not knowing what ours is we we just we underestimate how much that affects literally everything it affects my expectations of god it affects my expectations of people it it affects the lens that i see people and circumstances through it it affects everything it affects what i believe to be true and what i'm willing to reject like it affects everything and and what struck me you you had mentioned um Earlier this afternoon, after listening to it, you had said like, "Oh, that that identity piece really struck out to me again." Stuck out to me again, and and what what I started thinking about, like you kind of gave me some food for thought, just in bringing that back to my attention. Um, of like the point that I made on on Sunday was the importance of of understanding that our identity is first and and formally as beloved image bearers of God. And what struck me is I don't I didn't say this on Sunday and 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 I might I might need to process a little bit more I might I might uh, backpedal on this a little bit but right now I feel like I could make a very strong argument that the reason that's so important is because anything else that I believe aside from that is is anti the gospel hmm. like what what other identity could I possibly what could I draw from as my identity that is not a beloved image bearer of God that is not ultimately either man-centered or works-based. Because the, the the contrast that I drew on Sunday is either my identity being that I am right, that, that I believe the right things and hold the right opinions and follow the right people versus my identity being that I am beloved by God. By definition, that, that belief that I am right is is a hope in my works. It is 
you know, you can trust me because this is my education or this is my experience or this is my vocation. I know I'm secure because I believe this thing and I trust this thing or I do this thing. And all of those things are at their core old covenant. They are, they are a reliance on my obedience to the law rather than who Christ is and what he has accomplished and who I am in him. And I just think that's so deceptive. I don't think we ever think of it that way. I think we think of the idea of being beloved by God as that's nice. That, that's optional. Like that's, that's a nice, uh, maybe additional benefit, but, but don't think of that as being, like, that is the core identity of the Christian and anything apart from that is potentially revealing that my hope is in something other than Christ. And, and as I list out, you know, oh, I have this, I can do this, this is my education, this is what I've studied, this is what I've, and then I list out all those things, I can't help but have here like the, the tiny Paul on my shoulder saying, yeah, 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 that list sounds awesome, buddy. And whatever it is that you can claim, I have more. Mm. I was this, I studied under the best rabbi. I am the best, like I, God chose me verbal, like he knocked me off my horse and said, you're my boy. Like, did he do that for you? No? Oh, well, I got that on you. And anything that I have to offer, Paul says, I have more. And yet his response is, that's garbage. Like, all of that stuff is putrid rags and, and, and worthless garbage compared to simply knowing and being known by my Jesus. Hmm. And when it's... So Robbie, for those of you listening to Robbie was just referring to like Philippians chapter three, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. When Paul lists right. all of his, you know, basically human qualifications and all of his things that he would boast in. And he says, they're rubbish, they're garbage. Yeah. It's interesting as you were saying that too, what was going through my head was all the things that, that each one of us can be tempted to build our identity on outside right. of the belovedness part. Right. And, um, you know, each one of those things, not only does it constantly change. So say, for example, you know, part of our identity is the vehicle that we drive. And we'd all say that's shallow. We would. <laughs> I think we would. Yeah, but, hopefully. But it's part of like how we see ourselves. I'm the kind of person that drives this kind of vehicle, whatever. It's a truck. It's a car. It's a, you know, whatever. Right. But it's going to change. And ultimately, any of those identities they end up being divisive in some way. They separate us from other people because it's a, it's a way of like, I'm different than you in this way because of this. Yes. And yep. therefore I'm, you know, somehow better. But this identity that we receive from Jesus as being beloved image bearer of God isn't something we manufacture. It doesn't depend upon us. It's all from him. And I think it's also a claim on us, right? It's like God saying, you are mine. You belong to me. Um, in the Colossians 1, Colossians 3, 12, I was just looking at it here. He says, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Right. So that chosen part is also showing that that identity that we receive is done at God's initiative. We don't like come up with that idea. That's his idea. Right. Right. Yeah, that's, that, that is, that is absolutely his and um, and to understand that that is that is not only generated by him but sustained by him, and 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 to think through, 
Like what, why would I want an identity other than beloved by the creator God of the universe? Like what, what on earth am I going to add to that that is better than that, right? Like I am, I am beloved by the creator God of the universe and I've got 30 years of ministry experience. Like <laughs> what? I've, I've, you know, and I've got this three kind of doctorates then <laughs> and or right i've got this kind of club i've got this kind of like why why do i think so even those things that like seem like you know we would say oh yeah i mean if you have you have multiple doctorates in biblical studies that's a very admirable thing and that's a that's a good thing and that, that's literally the thing that paul says it's garbage like why I mean, not that it's useless but in terms of my identity and my hope being in that thing my Believing that that is what gives me worth, that is what uh, gives me the authority to be able to speak into something or have a thought on something. Um, Paul says, n- n- "No, it is it is a fact that God created you, knows you, loves you, has adopted you into His family, and has filled you with His Holy Spirit." Like that? Why? Because He loves you even while you were a sinner, not because of all these things that you did, but in spite of all of the ways that I have failed him, even when we were sinners, the Father, God demonstrates his love for us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Like the, that, that Romans 5 piece of, like it is, it is always only ever God's love for us that, that should motivate any of our actions, that should motivate, that should be the lens that we're seeing ourselves and others through. And then in light of that, knowing who we really are, it, it only makes sense that we would want to put on these new ways because that's who we are now. Right. We are, we are beloved by God, chosen by him, redeemed, renewed, restored. And so now we get to live this new life that is really the new humanity right it's like this resurrection life that human beings were intended to live and it was intended for us yes and until jesus we weren't really able to do that and now because of him and in him we get to i i really feel like shifting it from i have to to i get to yeah is super important because even as you started to unpack the various like what is actually humility what is meekness to me those things no, in light of Jesus, they are such good news that I could and I get to become that kind of person who lives that out. That could be the new clothes I get to wear. Hmm. It's amazing. It, it, it is. And, and if, if we think of it in light of that, then, then verses in Corinthians, Galatians, Romans, you know, the ideas of you are not your own, but you were bought with a price. I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. No one lives for himself and whatever we live uh, or die we are the lord's you know he with second corinthians uh, uh he died for all that 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 those who might live would no longer live for themselves but for him like we when we think it's based on our rightness and the rules and all that we can hear those verses and go oh it's gotta be all about him but <laughs> but if you if you think of it in terms of like it i no longer live but christ lives in me like the spirit of the living God, the incarnate God, somehow, in some way that I cannot wrap my brain around, dwells in me and lives through me. And and I am therefore as beloved by the Father as Christ is beloved 
by the Father because when he sees me, he sees Christ. Like, I, what on earth? Like, that is so mind-blowingly beautiful and amazing that you're, you're absolutely right. Like, how do we not always see this as I get to die to myself and live for the sake of Christ and live for the sake of others? Like, that is... I, and, and, and then it begins to make sense when Paul says things like in, in oh gosh, 1st or 2nd Corinthians, I don't remember, I think 1st Corinthians, when he, when he gives the list of, look, these are all the rights that I have, all my personal rights as an apostle. But then he finishes by saying, but we do not make use of any of these rights, but we would endure anything rather than to put an obstacle in the way of the gospel of Christ. He can only say that because he understands I am dearly and deeply known and loved by God and Christ dwells in me. Like what on what right could I possibly look at that is more valuable than that? And why would I ever want any of my choices to to be a hindrance to anyone else participating fully in that? Hmm. That was a good that was a good question. You asked an excellent question. Well, what you just said. Oh, what I just said. Yeah. Oh, I thought your setup for no. For, well, that was that, that was a good. It question. was quite good. Well done, Jeff. <laughs> I was just thinking, why would you want anything else? I think that's like worth thinking about, and it's only from that position, right, of being secure and loved by Him, that we can actually, I think, like look at our life and be honest about it. And because if each one of us is going to do that, like the last couple of weeks require that a bit of an examination, like what are some of the old ways that really do need to be done? And what are some new ways that I need to grow in to do that? We have to actually look at ourselves. And I don't think yes. it's possible to do that honestly, unless we can do it from a place of security and love in him. It's only through Jesus and the gospel of his kingdom that that's possible. Otherwise, I know for myself, I will just make excuses or I will somehow, you know, I mean, I think we're probably all self-deceived on some level, but I, I think the self-deception goes up if I do it from a place of like insecurity and my world collapsing, if I find that I do have to grow. I mean, the good news mm. for all of us as yeah. apprentices of Jesus, it's a life of growth, which means none of us has arrived. And we get to do it together too, which I'd like to talk about in a little bit here. But Man, I, I, I'm processing the point that you just made right now because I think that's really, I think that's so important that 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 if I am if I am not trusting in that, if I am entrusting, if I'm if I am trusting, um, something other than my acceptance like or god's acceptance of me rather and his love for me in spite of who i am and, and and what i do if i'm trusting in anything outside of that then then it is a very fearful idea to self-evaluate yes right? that is a very nerve-wracking and, and frightful idea and and we don't typically do things that make us uncomfortable mm -mm. right we are humans are averse to discomfort and unfortunately I, I, I'm concerned that because we're so averse to discomfort that and, and because we so desperately want our ideas and our thoughts to be affirmed because we think it's our ideas and our thoughts and our actions that are that are our identity and so 
we don't want to be uncomfortable and we want those things to be affirmed. And as a result, I think it makes us very susceptible to believe outright lies, thing, things that from the outside you could look at and believe, well, that's unverifiable or, or, or contrary to objective fact or even contrary to my own expressed beliefs. But if you're affirming something that I really need to be true, then I will believe that thing. Hmm. And I will hang on to that like grim death because the alternative is, but it, but what if I'm wrong? What if I have to admit I have been wrong or I am wrong right now? What does that mean? Well, it's that's terrifying unless I go, well, why am I afraid of that? Because I am I am dearly loved and deeply known already and accepted by the father because of what Jesus has done, not because of what I have done or what I think. And, and it's only in that, that I have the freedom to say, to, to, to both self-evaluate and, and think through, why do I think this? Why do I believe that this thing is right? What is motivating this? Is it trust in Jesus love for me? Or is it uh, a, a desire to prove my own rightness? Um, and it allows me to allow you to speak into me and for you to disagree with me and push back on my thoughts and and reveal to me by God's grace where I'm wrong in the areas that I am deceived. Yeah, and if the scriptures are right and true, which we believe they are, uh, it goes without saying that each one of us has lots of areas for growth and each one of us is going to have mistaken ideas about who we are and who God is. It's just part of it. And I think the sooner we can get and just be okay with that, like, man, I could be totally wrong on this. Help me. <laughs> uh, not that it's fun to be wrong. It's not. Most of us would really rather prefer to be right all the time. Hmm. But if we trust that what Jesus taught and modeled for us is right and true, it's just part of life, right? We're just not going to have it all together. And I think being around people who, who live like that, like, they take this all very seriously, but they also realize I don't have it all together. That's a really life-giving experience. And I hope that, uh, I think we're like that here at Faith. I want to increasingly become that. Yeah, I know myself I personally and uh, us as a community. Love that. So another, another um, thing that you said, Robbie, that I'd love to take a few minutes on. Um, I don't think this is a direct quote. I tried to take notes as I was listening, but you mentioned the importance of a daily active intentional habit of being reminded who we are mm. and i was wondering if you could take a few minutes and just talk about what what could that look like that daily active intentional habit oh that's good yes because we we don't drift towards confidence in our identity in christ that's not where that's not where gravity is pulling us it's pulling us towards the world it's pulling us towards ourself and so if uh you know if we're just trusting that well, as long as I don't do anything overtly really bad, I'll just kind of drift towards Jesus. Then I am, by definition, drifting away from Jesus. Mm -hmm. So that that daily habit, I have to have a plan of how I am keeping these things in front of me, or they will not be in front of me. I I think I think Scripture is such such an important aspect of that because not only is it helpful in um, and giving us the proper context and reminding us of who Christ is and who we are in him. But just like as a whole, what a beautiful picture of uh, you are dearly and deeply loved and you are wrong about most things. 
right? I mean, that's basically yes. every epistle is yes. you are beloved by God. You are dearly loved. You are lavished in his grace. You are adopted into his family. You are wrong about nearly everything. You keep running back to the law. You are terrible at being a church. I love you and your father loves you and the spirit reminds you of who the son is. Like that's that's every epistle. And so in going to scripture, not only, you know, are the actual verses helpful in that, but just the letter overall and realizing like Paul had to write these things because Paul knows in his own heart, he knows he's not Jesus. And so he, like every single person in the church, is wrong about most stuff. And so he, they, they need these continual reminders. Yes, I was with you for two years, but now I have to write some letters because you so quickly forget and so quickly turn away to a different gospel. So I need to continue to write you these letters. And he's not doing so because he's trying to prove that he's right. He's, he's doing so because he dearly and deeply loves them and, and wants to continue to put Christ and the gospel in front of their faces. So for us, I mean, practical step one is how are you putting the gospel in front of your face regularly? And, and so, uh, and more than just reading the Bible every day, which needs to be happening every day. Like it's not, let's be honest. It's not that hard. Mm -hmm. Like we can, we can read, we can do something every day. We brush our teeth every day. Hopefully you eat every day. You like, there's things that like developing a habit to do something daily if it if it matters to us is is completely attainable so it's not overshooting our our ability to say i should be i should be spending time with god every single day and but how am i spending that time you know reading scripture absolutely but even more so than that i would say praying scripture because when i'm praying scripture i just engage it in a different way i can i can read scripture christlessly right i can read it in a way that that is just about me gaining more knowledge or me gaining some, you know, some more ammunition for the debate or the argument that I feel like is coming or message prep, whatever. Um, but when I'm praying scripture, when I'm actually engaging with it in, on a spirit level and, and using it to fuel a conversation with God, it, it just, it is undeniably a different way to interact with scripture that that makes it more uh, heart driven rather than head driven. Hmm. Um, it, it makes me think of a. I'm probably going to mess up the paraphrase, but John Bunyan, uh, who wrote Pilgrim's Progress, um, once said, "In in prayer, it is better to have a heart without words than words without a heart." Hmm. And and I think you can apply that to scripture to say it is it is. Uh, I want to bring all of me into that like i don't want to just look at words mm -hmm. i want to engage my heart in a in a significant way so engaging with scripture daily um praying it meditating on it um i've got i've got three by five cards everywhere they're in my car they're on my nightstand they're all sometimes literally all over my desk they are they're <laughs> everywhere um and and there, I, I do that because I want I want to bump into it over and over again. I want it to catch me off guard. I want to go, oh man, there's there's Galatians two again, uh, and and I am reminded 
sometimes unexpectedly, oh, that's right, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. It reminds me, I don't belong to myself. I belong to Christ. And, and it, is not, it is not an enslavement. It is a loving adoption. And, and so by keeping that on the forefront of my mind, throughout the day and, and chewing on that, man, what does it mean to be crucified with Christ? How, if I think of that, like what is, how does that affect my day? Okay, what does it mean that I no longer live, but it's Christ who's living through me? How does that change how I interact in relationships? Um, what does it mean that, that he loved me and gave himself for me to really meditate on those truths uh, throughout the whole daily, day in and day out? Um, I think that's, I just think that's so important. And then I think the other one, I think we, we, we touched on just being able to, to kind of dissect your own opinions, Hmm. to be able to stop and say, why, why do I think this? Why is this so important to me? Is this motivated by my trust in Jesus love for me as a, as a sinner saint? And, and do I believe that that applies to all other sinners as well? Or is there something else that is motivating my need for this to be right, for this to be true? Um, is it what is motivating my unwillingness to listen to somebody else's opinion on this thing um, and, and dissect that? And part of that is, which again, we've already touched on, is also being willing to ask other people who know me and love me and don't always agree with me to share with me where I'm being inconsistent. Mm. Because I don't, see that nobody nobody is has such extraordinarily sanctified self-awareness that they know all of the areas where they are deceived and inconsistent you have to have somebody outside of your own head which can justify anything who actually knows you personally and who does not think exactly the way you do to be able to say, hey, these are some areas that I think are where, where you're inconsistent with what, with who I know you want to be and, and with who I believe Jesus wants you to be. That's a, that's a relationship that requires an invitation, I think, for a lot of us. Like, 100%. So yeah. to say to someone else, I, I want, you know, our friendship, you're already friends with the person you're saying this to. You know, this isn't to a stranger, but even in our friendships, they, they sometimes don't go to the level of, I need your help. And, and part of that is just a general encouragement, but also the encouragement of speaking into areas of my life that I can't see. And I just, as you were saying that, Robbie, I just kept having these flashbacks of, of significant turning points in my life that came out of those kinds of conversations hmm. with people hmm. who yeah. loved me well enough loved me like significantly enough to say this part of your life you this is an issue and out of love and gentleness walk me through it and they're turning points that are significant for me so i love that that you brought that in Uh, we need each other for this we need each other and it's again not going to be automatic for most of us so it will require an invitation and a conversation I, I think it's an excellent point, Jeff. How, how would you encourage somebody who hears that and says, yeah, that sounds great, but how on earth do I foster that kind of friendship? Mm. 
I, I would say uh, part of it is leading by example. Like if, if part of it requires vulnerability, right? It requires us to absolutely open up uh, in ways that maybe we would prefer not to. Um, so I, doing that by example and being honest with someone um, could be a way to start and saying, I am struggling in this area or, you know, the last couple of sermons, there were very specific things that came to my mind that I want to work on. Would you be praying? Could you be praying for me? You know, a number of people have, have sent me emails or reached out the last couple of weeks and just, that's the very thing they did was Love saying, that. this came to my mind. And I think that's a really important step because if you're asking a person to begin praying for you about a certain sin, that is an invitation into that, into that sphere. And, um, I mean, we all probably have had, we have fears of what that relationship, where it could go. Like, do we really want someone in our life who's going to bring up things that we don't want to talk about? But yeah. I think if it's done in a healthy way and, and that it's mutual, because it's not ever a one-way thing. Everyone has stuff that we need to work on. And so if there's if it's a mutual helping and a mutual revealing like that, I think it makes a big difference. Um, that's that's well said. I Oh, what just struck me is if if you hear that and you think, man, that sounds that sounds scary. Um, yeah, it is. It's okay that that feels scary. Um, to some of us, it's scary because we've we've tried some form of that and it ended badly, and so mm-hmm. we're we're anxious about trying that again. Um, so it it is scary, but it is absolutely worth it. And and if you hear that and your thought is. I don't need that. That is a different kind of scary. Um, hmm. And and that is a major red flag in my, if I may be so bold. Uh, if you say, I don't need anyone to correct me um, or, or I don't know anybody that is qualified to correct me, I, I would just urge you that that is a, uh, that is an indicator of some, of some significant spiritual unhealth and uh please please ask fight your your urge to to resist that and uh and ask someone to help you in that because they're every single one of us desperately need that uh because the alternative if we're not doing that then we're simply surrendering to self-deception hmm. we're intentionally stalling our spiritual growth um and largely saying I think most of the New Testament is wrong because the vast majority of the new and quite frankly like the wisdom literature and Psalms of the Old Testament all speak to the fact that uh, I do not know myself as well as I'm convinced that I do and I need both God's help and the help of people around me hmm. um, if I if I can uh, can try to put a bow on everything I can't I can't help but go back to Colossians chapter 2 which I feel like does a fairly good job, certainly a better job than I would of summarizing this right right out of the gate in chapter two, um, starting in verse two. Well, starting in verse one, Paul says his struggle, his struggle for um, for the church in these two cities is that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. And and I would say this is not. It, it includes them loving each other, but I would argue that you can't separate this from what Paul said in Ephesians chapter 3, 
um, that his prayer is that they would know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with the fullness of God, because it it's it echoes this here, right? That being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God, which is which is uh, of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Again, his love for us is the foundation of all of that. I will never come close to achieving the full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery if I do not understand the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge and how that is applied to my heart, my life, um, through Christ. On the good days and on the bad days. Amen. You know, it's, it's, it's all sorts of days, not just the, all the days. I don't know. I, I, it changes everything. And I think with, with understanding his love, I don't know if this has been your experience, Robbie, but it's been mine. I will have moments where I think his spirit gives me some new insight into the implications of that in my life. Mm. And I look back and think, I didn't really understand it. Goodness. What was I thinking mm. before? Yeah. Um, and I think those moments are, they sometimes come out of conversations with people. They sometimes come as I'm just praying and rereading scripture um, but I guess that would be one of my prayers for our church is that we would each be having those moments and those turning points when suddenly the largeness and I guess life-giving, joyful nature of God's love for us becomes more and more apparent to us. Mm. And I mean, I'm sure that there's a number of us who could say, I know what it's like for someone in my life to not realize how much I love them. Yes. Right. I mean, that's like a common human experience. And I think that that is, is what we're kind of describing is that what we read in the scriptures, what we hear from Jesus, what we hear from the apostles is this immense love that is persisting and steadfast and never giving up. And we get to grow in that in an understanding of it and our experience of it. And that's, that gives God so much joy. That's the amazing thing is that he wants us to know how much he loves, he loves us so much so that, you know, he would send his son to become a human, to die and then raise, and then raise from the dead. It's just, it's amazing and immense. I guess I'd like for us to, you know, we were just talking a bit about a relationship where someone would be able to speak into your life, help you see the areas of your life that you're doing well in that you might need some help in. And I, I guess I'm excited to see what God will do in our church community, our church family Okay. Yep. out of these couple sermons. I'm wondering if you've had thoughts about that too. Like what would it look like for this to become a normal part of the conversation that we have, whether it's on a Sunday morning or it's our gospel community, or, you know, we're sitting down for coffee with someone, what would it look like for us as a church to work together at putting off the old and putting on the new. Hmm. How would that transform our relationships, our friendships, our conversations? Oh my goodness. How wouldn't that transform our relationships and our conversations? It would it would move them from things that are irrelevant to things that are of eternal value. Hmm. Right? So rather than every conversation centering around uh, the weather or a game or a hobby. It is around the life-giving truths of the abundant life found in the living God and of the universe made available to us. 
through Christ. So that's better, in my opinion. <laughs> yeah, it is. I, so that that changes. But also, I mean, c- can you imagine the the life giving community of knowing I, I walk into this place and this is the this is the the place and the people where I am most utterly comfortable and safe. Hmm. I know it is absolutely okay to not be okay with this group of people mm-hmm. and and they will love me right where I am because Christ loves them and me right where we are and they like he love us too much to let me stay right where I am and so they will help me in this when I fail when I disagree when I hold an opinion that differs from them that doesn't change the fact that we are family and we are in this together. Like I, to know, and, and, and then to know when I, uh, when I share, I don't have to fear gossip. I don't have to fear betrayal, like all those things, because that's, that's not who these people are. That's not how we operate because those things only happen when I'm jockeying for position and I'm trying to prove that I'm right, or at least more right than you are. And, and so if we can actually get to a place where, where the critical mass of this community is actively seeking and actively practicing these things, everything changes. Everything. Mm-hmm. To me, it gives conversation and relationship a context and a mission to yes, like a purpose, a clear I guess. direction, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that part is super exciting. And I know that... That is happening here. It is. I have conversations like that with people. Absolutely. I guess what I yeah, what I'm thinking too is how could that increasingly happen? And that's I'm asking it as a question right now, but I'm meaning it like I really think that that's possible, and I have great hope that God is going to bring that about, uh, because because that's what a life as a follower of Jesus is meant to be. It lived in community with other followers of Jesus who are learning from him how to live in the kingdom of God right now. Yes. Yep. Full of his spirit. And I think those conversations, I mean, there's no telling what God would do through them, but I think they'll be full of power and life. Yeah, there's going to be difficult ones. Certainly. But I think by and large, as we increasingly are free and getting free from sin and the dominion it has over us, and increasingly living in the power of Jesus, those those things, I mean, it's transformative in a massive way for us individually and as, relationally, but also I think for Marinette, for Peshtigo, for Coleman, Absolutely. for you know, all those communities to have people that, that's what, that's what they're involved in. Christ-likeness, becoming like him in their everyday lives. That's, that's what transformed the Roman Empire, mm-hmm. right? Just simple people whose names we will never know, who just lived this out, and a- as a result, transformed an an entire empire, ultimately the world, right? Because Jesus said, "Hey, the way I've loved you, love the person next to you. Now, now go and make disciples of me, and teach them, remind them of what I've said, and and to do what I did." and mm. And then life on earth as we know it is radically transformed. And uh, unfortunately, we often think that we can come up with a better way than, than Jesus had. And that's, that's when we begin to come off the rails. Hmm. 
Robbie, this has been fun getting to do a couple podcasts with you. I love getting to have a conversation with you, Jeff. This was fun. Yeah, it really has been. And I, I'm excited to continue going through the rest of Colossians. I feel like this book has been one that I have loved for years, and it's been fun to to do a slow but not too slow walk through it. Um, I don't know. I, I've really been loving it. I'm excited to continue on this Sunday. Well, thanks for taking the time to chat with me today, and uh, thank you, listeners, for tuning in. We hope you found it helpful and fruitful and encouraging. Uh, If so, we would love to hear that. Uh, We'd love to hear stories of how God is shaping you and reminding you of his uh, extraordinary pursuing love for you. Um, And also, if you have any questions, we want to hear those as well, because we love getting to answer those during these podcast discussions. So thank you for tuning in, uh, and grace and peace to you from God our Father. Thank you.